Hello and welcome. I'm Chris Neeland, host of Cult Brand Secrets. This podcast is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts and The Gathering. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit, and it's a masterclass for brand leaders hoping to reap the benefits of having hyper-engaged customers, prospects, and staff. In every episode, I present one of industry's biggest disruptors, a brand leader who is earning cult-like status by thinking and behaving differently than his or her mediocre peers. These brand leaders will share examples of how their companies, such as Marvel, M&Ms, Beats by Dre, Yeti, or the Dallas Cowboys, are spending their time and their resources creating advocates by enhancing their customer and their employee experiences in ways that make interacting with them irresistible. So check out all our episodes to gain access to the most impressive business leaders sharing their most important advice. I met Scott when I flew to Philadelphia years ago to work on a project with the New Jersey Devils. My first impression of him was that he was super intelligent and also a bit intimidating. You know, he's a guy who has thrived for many decades in the mecca of the hyper cutthroat world of sports. And there's something about sort of that Northeastern New York like swagger and bravado that I've just never been completely comfortable around. But as I got to know Scott more, I learned that he's not only passionate and committed to excellence at his work, but he's also just this tremendous husband and a great father and a loyal friend. He's very generous and he has this terrific sense of humor. I'm excited for you to listen to him speak because you'll get a glimpse of all of those attributes during his presentation. You know, I didn't invite Scott to speak at the gathering because he was the former head of the Philadelphia 76ers, a brand that we honored the year prior as one of North America's top cult brands. Nor did I ask him to come because of his past affiliations with, say, Madison Square Gardens. Nor was he there because he's the older brother of Matt O'Neill, who's one of our all-time favorite gathering guests whom we met years ago when Matt came up to represent the Dallas Cowboys as a top cult brand. No, I invited Scott because he is a thought leader and he's this first time author who had recently released a new book called Be Where Your Feet Are. I found his book to be refreshingly candid and vulnerable and very timely given all the things that we learned during the pandemic about how emotional intelligence is trumping mental intelligence especially in regards to what people want most from their leaders. As Scott's going to explain, you know, he faced this dramatic moment in his life that caused him to reevaluate his priorities and to make some adjustments to how he was living and to tweak the filters by which he was making decisions. And I related to each of those lessons that he shared in his book. And it was so great to have his presentation because it was really him giving a Cliff Notes version of his book's biggest takeaways. So please enjoy Scott, take some notes, and then let's regroup when he's done so that we can discuss how his principles align with some of the cult brand principles that we encourage business owners to live by. Just a quick show of hands. Have you ever had one of those times in life where everything is going well, okay? 
relationship with your partner is amazing. It's uplifting. You feel connected. Work is exhilarating. Your friendships are rich. You're in physical peak condition. You're actually eating well. You're not staying out till two in the morning drinking. <laughs> Has anyone just show hands? Have you ever had one of those periods in life? Okay. It's kind of to me, I was having one of those. I was like, have you ever seen the Lego guy? Like, everything is awesome. You know that guy? They're like, everything is awesome. So I was having those. I'm like, the wind is at my back. This is amazing. And then my phone rang. It was 11 o'clock at night. I was in my uh, bathroom getting ready, brushing my teeth, getting ready. Phone rings. I'm like, wow, this is strange. 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. I was like, hey, Jared, what's up? And that was it. So Jared, who I went to grad school with, told me that our friend, or three of us, their best friends, uh, my friend had driven to his parents' house, gone up to his childhood bedroom, brought a gun, and just shot himself in the head. It was like a shovel whacked me off my everything is awesome trail, instantly. Three days later, I was speaking at his funeral, and my world just crumbled, just like that. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I couldn't go to sleep at night. I was eating like crap, stopped exercising. And I couldn't figure out how to get out of where I was. And let me tell you what made it worse. Two weeks later, I'd seen Will. My brothers and I put on this baseball tournament every year, and we went down to this baseball park, and he'd been there for the 15 years, and he was like, hey, I'm really struggling. And I was like, it's gonna be okay. Choose happiness. <laughs> Choose happiness. I was like, when I'm not feeling good, I just serve someone and it makes me feel better. So I had this like overwhelming sense of grief and sadness. Like I'd never felt grief before. Anybody here ever feel grief? I never understood it. I didn't even know what it was. My dad had died three months earlier. It, it, did, it wasn't grief. I was just relieved because he was suffering. And so I began to write. Is anyone just show of hands again? You've seen the movie Forrest Gump? Okay, remember the scene when he's running? He runs out of the stadium and then he keeps running and he runs across the country. And people think it's a movement. I never understood that until I was in this period because I began to write like Forrest ran. I was like, a lot of it was just nonsense. I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And, wrote. and then a friend of mine came to see me and he said, uh, what are you doing? It's my, actually my wife's friend. And I know she called him to say like, this guy is off the rails, come save him. <laughs> and he said, what if you publish this into a book? And I said, uh, this is my own stuff. This is my, my weakest moments. And he said, but, but what, what is your, what's your purpose on this earth? I said, well, I think I have two. And he said, what they are? I said, well, I want to develop the next great generation of leaders, and I want to make a difference in the world. And he's like, well, what if you move one person? And so that's what this book became. It's a story and a journey of my life and mostly my failings. Um, so today, I'm going to talk to you about three things. Three lessons, three stories, three insights. But first, a quick exercise. If you have your phone, can you just please pick it up so I can see it? Okay, you got it up? Anybody not have their phone with them? None of you. None of you. God bless you, though, if you don't. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Flip the text. Put the coffee down. Yep. Text. Okay, here's, here's the thing. I want you to text your mother. If your mom's not alive, that's okay. Or, or your mom's not in your life, that's okay too. I want you to find some other woman in your life who's made an impact on you. But if it's your mom, it, sound, it sounds something like this. Mom, I really love you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. And although I might not always say it, that's a dad of three teenage daughters speaking, know that you're always in my heart. I love you. 
Scott. Although you don't have to put my name, you can put your own. Say so you got 30 seconds. Mom, I love you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. Know that you're always in my heart. Even though I don't always say it, just know you're with me. I love you. Then just look up when you're done. Okay. First time I did this exercise, what do you think my mom said to me? Sent back. <laughs> Only high performers know this. Hun, by the way, when I was 14 years old, I went to a new high school. I knew one person, my older brother, he never spoke to me. And my nickname was Hun because my mother would yell honey at my soccer and basketball games. Go, honey, go. So as a 14-year-old, being called honey was a wonderful experience in a new high school. I thought for another day. So Hun, are you okay? So what does that tell you about me? I need to share more gratitude. Because it's in my mind, it's in my heart, it's in my soul. I love my mom. I owe so much to my mother. Every good quality I have in my body is because of my mom. And yet my, the one time I reached out, her vision was, hun, are you okay? So my question to you is when your mom responds or this woman in your life responds, what's she gonna say? So here's my challenge to you. How many of you sleep with your phone by your bedside? Just show hands. Okay, stop that immediately. You and my wife, I keep saying like, I need it for the alarm. Alexa, set alarm for 6 a.m. How many of you pick up your phone before you uh, brush your teeth in the morning? Show of hands. Okay, other, also tragic. Okay, I do that too. So here's what I want you to do when you pick up your phone for the first time every morning for the next 30 days. I would love you to send a note of love, gratitude, or appreciation to someone in your life, somebody different every day for 30 days. Why 30 days? Anybody? I need a habit. I've been doing it for eight and a half months. You know what the world does for me? It actually puts people into my world and into my life that need to hear from me. It's the strangest thing, whether you believe in a higher power or karma or um, God or heavenly fire, however you think about a higher power, I promise you they will send you people into your life, into your mind, into your soul. You'll send them a note and they will send you notes back that will blow your mind. The world is struggling right now. Your employees are struggling right now. Your children are struggling. Your partner is struggling right now. We need connection and we need each other. There's one little, little small step. Okay, three lessons. I left my job. I was the CEO of HBSC, the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils. We had a venture fund, a real estate company, an esports company, a sports marketing company, all stuff we'd built over the eight years. We grew the company $2.5 billion. Life was good. The teams were finally winning, or at least one of them was at a high level. Those of you Raptor fans, you're welcome for last night. Go Sixers, go Embiid, suck it, everybody. Um, so I, I walked away. So I remember I had this like life-changing environment happen to me. COVID hits. My whole world is shifting beneath my feet. So I just walk away. So I spent the last year on a walkabout. When you leave a job like I had, I have a year non-compete. I cannot work until July 1st. So I have a year. Can you imagine if you're getting paid for a year and you could do anything you want to do? Just think about that, except for work. What the heck would you do? Do you know? I found out. So the first thing I did four days later, July 4th, my 17, now 18-year-old daughter and I boarded a plane with 20 other teenagers and we went to Mozambique. Went to go build a school for three and a half weeks. I'm not like the roughing it guy, just so you know. And I'm not a hero. I was like, hey, honey, let's go to Hawaii, you know? My daughter's like, how about we go to Mozambique and build a school? I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it was the most wonderful life change experience I've ever had. And I'm just gonna tell you one, one little anecdotal story. Um, 
Any, do you know what scaffolding is? Okay, anybody here afraid of heights? Okay, it sucks, right? Eric knows, like, I'm terrified of heights. This is about as high as I go. I feel really comfortable up here because I know I can jump and live. <laughs> so um, nobody, uh, we had one person on the, on the um, program that spoke Portuguese. Um, I don't, and the foreman only spoke Portuguese. And I would have said, hey, I'm afraid of heights. Dude, put me on, like, the lowest labor plan you have here. He's like, up. I was like, oh, no, you know? So I'm up there, and my daughter Kira's up there, and it's, um, it's, it's wobbly. Like, and so I'm standing like this, and every time I have to bend down and grab a bucket of plaster to pull up, I like grab the top of the school, okay? So I'm that guy, right? And there's this other like California cool kid. I don't know if any of you are from California, but he's like right out of central casting. He's got like blonde curly hair. He's wearing overalls on the site. Um, he like brought his skateboard to Mozambique. There's only sand, there's no streets. Um, he's playing the guitar at night around the fire. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. His name is Clayton, cutest kid. And um, so he's somewhat mocking me, not very nicely, and he falls. So that's about 11, 12 feet off the ground, and he falls on his back and onto a cinder block. Right, and so as the adult in charge, <laughs> the stuff that's going through my head are not good. Um, and um, and he, all of a sudden, he just pops up. Oh, my back. And I was like, oh, I'd be dead. <laughs> And my daughter goes into full-on mode. She's like, hey, you two, we need more wood up here. Hey, um, you three, we need more chicken wire. It's not, clearly not tight enough. We've got to do something to anchor these branches. And she didn't stop. She just went. And so I didn't want to go back up on that ledge. I did. I went back up. It was much more sturdy. And here's the lesson I took away from life for me, okay, and I hope for you. It's like, hey, in a world where we struggle, in a world where anxiety, depression, suicide at an all-time high. Do you know one in four of every person 16 to 24 has experienced suicidal thoughts in the last 24 months? One in four. Look around this room. We need each other, but you know what we need? Action. And my daughter acted. That's my lesson number one. Okay, so that's the first thing I did. I went to Mozambique. Second thing, my daughter's high school coach quits. Varsity coach. She's like, hey, dad, do you want to coach? I'm like, are you serious? Varsity basketball? I'm like, yes. <laughs> She's like, do you know what that means? I'm like, no. <laughs> now I'd coach a little rec basketball since my girls, my, all my girls played. None of them were very good. They're all okay. <laughs> Get that from their mother. I did the best I could. <laughs> I'm only half the equation, okay? And, um, and so I, uh, I took on this thing for four months, six days a week. Uh, and I'm, I, I have like a competitive problem. So I'm like watching game film and it's a really sickness. Um, but I'm like on YouTube learning how to teach an offense. Like it's that bad to start. And this team had been really bad for the last three years. I think their highest win total was six. And, and I had this thesis about people and teams and leadership. And I was going to test it on these kids. And, um, and so anyway, so one of the kids was a tough kid. Um, and you know these tough kids. Maybe one, some of you are these tough kids. And, um, and I, was, I said to my daughter, I'm like, what's up with, I don't want to use her name because she's just a minor. I was like, what's up with so-and-so? She's like, well, dad, I'm, you know, she's had it pretty rough. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I know, but what's up with her attitude? She's like, well, she has it really rough. I was like, oh, okay. And this kid, I just fell in love with her. Like first day, I'm like, I'm in love with this kid. Like she is 
fierce competitor. She is tough as nails. It's like balls on the ground, she is diving on the ground. She's got no sense of humor. She doesn't interact with her teammates. And she, I think, is our best player, but doesn't lead. And you need that best player to lead. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to talk to her. She's like, what are you going to say? I'm like, ah, that's between me and her. And um, so I sat down with her two days later. It was just me and her. And um, I said, uh, how are you doing? It's like, good. I was like, okay. I said, man, you're an exceptional athlete. She said, well, thank you, as if she had never heard a compliment in her life. I was like, I said, you, you know, you remind me a lot of myself when I was your age. You just have this will to compete. Like, it could be like a little three-on-three -three drill or like a full-court press drill or, a, you know, like whatever we're doing, she was like, you know, I'm like, I have that. I have that competitive problem. Yeah, I said, it's so inspiring to me. Um, I said, how are you interacting with other, other ladies, you know? And she said, oh, it's good, it's good. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, hey, sit down. I want to tell you a story. She's like, okay. I said, hey, um, you know, I, I grew up in a, into a, a family on food stamps. She's like, huh. She had been to my house, we have a, a beautiful house, been very blessed. And she's like, oh, I didn't know that. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, I have a relative who uh, um, is a drug dealer for a living and another one who's a prostitute for a living. I said, we have alcohol, drug, and sex addiction in our family. I said, we've had... Um, Two people serve time in prison. And she's like, why are you telling me all this? And I said, hey, here's the thing. I want you to think about two things. Their sins are not yours. I don't know what the situation is. And you don't have to tell me. And she did tell me but it's not you. I said, secondly, every gift you have, that will, that fire, that fight, that competitive spirit, that, 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 that foundation, that anchor, that's because of them too. So be grateful. So this team that couldn't get out of their own way um, in the beginning, uh, this was the last game of our season, which I'm gonna show you. This is the state championship game. We're in white. Now wait for it, the blondie is mine. Look at the blondie on the outside. This is the best moment of my life. So I can tell you, so, so what does that matter to you? Well, here's the thing. Leadership actually matters. And teamwork matters. These gals, they have a memory now for the rest of their life, and that is wonderful. But they have sisters for the rest of their lives. And that matters more than anything. I believe in team sports into the core of my being, especially for women. Especially, yes. You know why? It's because boys, men have had the advantage for 100 years. Because the lessons you learn in sports matter. And I tell these girls every day, I was like, this has nothing to do with basketball, but now we get on them. It has nothing to do with basketball, nothing. It has to do with life. How tough you're gonna be. You get knocked down, get up. Your friend gets knocked down, pick her up. Somebody's struggling, reach out to her. Go drive to the kid's house and see if she's okay. She missed practice today, go check on her. Lead, follow, win, lose. That is life, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is. And that's what sports brings you. And that's the lesson I got. The third lesson I've had in my own personal walkabout is like, we've gotta do a better job of learning. 
I was on the treadmill so freaking hard in this job. Before that, I was president of Madison Square Garden. I'm working 200, 250 nights a year and traveling another 40. You know, at midnight every night, I'm leaving the house at seven. How's my life? How's my learning doing? I'm running as hard as I can every second of every day. And I just never picked back and said, what do I want to learn today? So my big lesson for you is, is like, what are you learning? You're here, so you obviously care. You're listening to Cult Brand Secrets. We'll be right back. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. Here's more of Cult Brand Secrets. Okay, so those are my three lessons in the last eight months of my walkabout. Anybody know who this beauty is? Barbara Babs, okay, the original diva. Okay, anybody know who this is next to her? Nobody knows the business guys, you know? Joel Embiid, Scott O'Neill, who the hell is he? So that is Marty Ehrlichman. He's been her manager for uh, 44 years, 44 years. So I get the pleasure. I, I was running um, an arena and we booked concerts. And so I went out to see him to see if we could get Barbara to come, come play at our arena. And I sit down with him. We're in the Beverly Hills Hotels. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but it's kind of like a swanky old Hollywood hotel um, or Beverly Hills Hotel. And so we sit down. He's like in his regular seat and he orders like the usual. It's like one of those meetings where I'm like, Ugh. and I'm in a suit. And he's like, what are you wearing a suit for? I'm like, stop. You know, they're in like the black T-shirt thing, like the Matt O'Neill dress, you know. I can't pull it off. And um, so he says to me, so, and, and my friend who takes me there is like, he's going to hate you. I'm like, why is he going to hate me? He's like, look at you. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> so we're actually hitting it off. I'm kind of looking at my friend like, I got this. I'm a salesman. Like, I could do, I could do this. And he's like, do you want to know what the secret to life is? So I take my phone out. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, if you're going to tell me the secret to life, I'm going to capture it. Now, the, the audio is bad, but I want you to listen because I captured it. There are three things that are important in life. One, when you get up in the morning, you want to face the day, which means you enjoy doing what you're doing. Two, you want to be able to feel good coming home at night. And if those two things are working, then you can sleep. Okay. So you know what I dig about old people? He's like, there are three things. (laughs) One, two. I was like... But how beautiful. So if you didn't hear it, he said, number one, you're so passionate about what you do that you, in the morning, you pop out of bed and run to it. He said, number two, you've created such a wonderful environment at home that at night you run home with equal passion. I was like, yeah, that actually works for me. And it brought me on this discovery of my WMI or your WMI. 
by what's most important. So I ask you, do you know what's most important? So I want to just, just let's deal with work first, because it's simple. There are three things if you do at work will make you extraordinarily successful. I have no idea what they are. I don't know what you do, okay? But I promise you that you know what those three things are. If you actually spend five minutes, you could write them down, those three things. I had this incredible executive coach. His name is Brendan Burchard. If you don't know him, look him up. He is spectacular and the, the best social media follow you'll have, okay? He said that he studied 10,000 executives. High performers spend 65% or more of their time on the three things that are most important, okay? So high performers spend 65% of their time. Now, do you? So I did a little audit on my calendar. So here's my invitation to you. Write down these three things and then go audit your calendar and see how you do. How did I do when I audited my calendar for the first time? Anybody want to take a guess? A whopping 23%. I'm like, but I'm a high performer. <laughs> I'm awesome. <laughs> Whoops. And so Brandon said to me, he said, Scott, it's okay, but you got to change one or two things. You either have to change what you claim to be most important we have to change your process. Which one are you gonna do? So I just learned the magic word of no. Order your calendar. Okay, this wonderful guy is a dear friend. He is the police chief in Camden, New Jersey. He just retired, so not technically anymore. Um, and, uh, and he inherited, anybody here know Camden, New Jersey? Nice town? No. Not so much. Average household income, just about $13,000. Um, single parent households, uh, 76%. My, my uh, sister's a single mom. I think sing single moms are um, Wonder Women, but it is it's tougher and a good indication of, of what's happening. Um, there are 52 open air drug markets in this small little town. Um, and it was known as the murder capital of the United States. So a good thing to inherit if you're a police chief, I imagine. And he made a whole host of changes, okay? New technology, fired his whole police staff, started putting them at night versus during the day. Everybody was scheduled during the day. Um, he's like, all the crimes happening at night. So he did a lot of things, put in incredible tech. But the fundamental change he made is we are going to assume positive intent. Assume positive intent. Everyone we see is no longer a criminal. Everyone we see is not, no, no longer a bad guy. There are bad people in this town. We will capture, we'll catch them and we'll lock them up. Now, what does assume positive intent mean to you? Do you ever get a text from your boss and you're like, ah, shit. Hey, I uh, need to see you at noon. Uh, or like your wife calls and you're like, voicemail. <laughs> can't deal with this right now. I know she's pissed. I can't deal with it. Or your friend who's always late, always late, right? Every time. She's like, hey, I'm going to be five minutes late. You're like, of course you are. Ever happened to anybody here? Yeah, maybe once, maybe, okay? Can you imagine a world where you just assume positive intent? And I just gave you a clean slate. I am not like thinking about something you did yesterday or five years ago or 10 years ago. It's like you go back to the high school reunion, you see the bully, you're like, ah, oh, that asshole. 30 years ago, let's hope he's grown. <laughs> not this way or this way, because that wasn't fun either. But I wonder, but what would do your relationships? How much power would it unlock for you to just to do better and be better? 
Well, Chief Thompson, uh, he believed in it and, and he had a transformation going. And then there was a drive-by shooting and everything fell apart in his world with his lieutenants. So all the sergeants came in. It was two in the morning on a Saturday morning and they are banging the table. We got to get the SWAT, SWAT um, cars out there. We got to go door to door. We got to knock down doors. We got to get this guy. This was a little kid. It's a teenage girl, an innocent girl that was killed. We got to lock the city down. He's like, it's three in the morning. He's like, no, no, we've been doing that for 50 years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't work. We're not doing that because everybody had retreated back into their houses whenever this happens. So he sends everybody home and he's walking the streets of Camden. And if you know Camden, you know that at three in the morning, it is an adventurous place to walk. And he walks into the 7-Eleven and he gets an ice cream bar and he's literally sitting outside the way he tells the story, just eating this ice cream bar. And he's looking, he's right across from the prison, ironically enough. And he sleeps in the office that night. People come in the next morning. He says, hey, here's what we're going to do. I got $5,000 from our stash room. We're gonna get two Mr. Softy machines. I don't shoot. We're gonna get two Mr. Softy machines. We're gonna put them on, on both ends and we're gonna have the cops in there and we're gonna give out free ice cream. And they're like, have you lost your mind? And he's like, no, we're serving and protecting. That's our job. We're part of this community. When all the social justice stuff happened this summer, you know what the police officers did in Camden? They walked with the residents. That's assuming positive intent, right? And he's had extraordinary results. Murder, violent crime, total crime, all down. And the technology's been great, and he's a great leader, and that's wonderful. But I will tell you, this one fundamental shift that will change your life and your relationships if you do it is assuming positive intent. Okay, those of you that follow basketball and another Raptors loss last night will know this. <laughs> that when I walked into the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, we were not a very good franchise. We had won 50 games, which is kind of the barometer of success in the NBA. We've won 50 games twice in the last 20 years. Um, in terms of the metrics that we measure for success, we were bottom four in every KPI um, in our business. And we have perfect information with all the teams, given that we're part of an association or a league, all right? So we started from ground zero, and what we said was, you know what? We're gonna do this, we're gonna take a long view. We're gonna trade away our best players, by the way, we were a cap team, if this means anything, I might be speaking Greek, but we were a cap team with below mediocre performance. So it's the worst case scenario. So we traded our guys and we're like, you know what? We're just gonna have a long view. And it turns out after getting the crap kicked out of us by the media, other owners, other coaches, other players, agents, et cetera, in between, this is a team that when I left, we were number one in the East. Wonderful turnaround story, right? Why does that matter to you? Well, who's this handsome fella? This is my great-grandfather. Handsome guy, right? That's like right out of a bad movie, is it not? <laughs> so my great-grandfather um, grew up in Sorrento, Italy, and he was a farmer, and his father was a farmer, his father's father was a farmer, and so on. Back eight generations, this is all he knew, all farmers and all poor. And he had a pig. That was only his sole possession, a little bit of land and a pig. He's looking at his dad thinking like, I want to be this guy. So he sells the pig enough to buy a passage over in the bottom of a ship and $13 in his pocket. So he comes to America with $13, doesn't read or write Italian, doesn't speak English. And I'm standing here right now. How the heck is that possible? Now, Canada, United States, North America, built on, on the backs of immigrants, right? Who just took a chance? Are we that brave? I'm not. 
Like, can you imagine going to another country, not speaking the language, just being dropped in, having no money, and being like, hey, good luck. This guy was like peddling fruit on a little fruit stand when he first got there. He's like bumming with like a distant cousin, just sleeping on the couch. It's like, but he had a view for a better future. He had a long view. Imagine if he had a short view. Today is about right now. Right now, what's happening right now? Step back, widen your lens. Take another step back, widen your lens some more. Look at the world. Look at the world like the way my great-grandfather did. I promise you, life will change. Okay, those are my stories. Three insights. Number one, you gotta take care of yourself. And here's my formula really quickly. Do something for your mind, something for your body, and something for your soul every day. Something for your mind, learn something, we talked about it. Something for your body, guys, it's 20 minutes. 20 minutes to get your heart rate up. That's what you need. I need 45, do 20. Do something. I don't care if it's Peloton, going for a walk, going for a run, or you're like this elite athlete and you want to train for a triathlon. I actually don't care. Your body, your mind, and your soul need you to be active. We need your heart rate up and going. Your mind, we talked about learning. Your soul, soul is always really complicated to talk about these days. Not for me, for other people. But I will tell you, like, I'm not asking you to get on your knees and pray or read scriptures or go to church. It does work for me, by the way. What I'm asking for you is to find stillness in your life, okay? And so I promise you that if you sit outside and listen to the birds chirp in the morning for 10 minutes, that will feed your soul. If you listen to classical music in pure peace in your house, that will feed your soul. Yoga, to some extent, feeds your soul. So find something. So something for your mind, something for your body, something for your soul every day. Whoops. Get some sleep. I've talked to a bunch of you about this. Perfect strangers. Some of you are like, oh, I got four hours. I can do it. I'm like, you're Superman. Good for you. Oh, Wonder Woman. Way to go. Great Wonder Woman belt, by the way. Um, but here's the thing. It's like I, I've had the good fortune of speaking with some of the top sleep experts in the world. You need six and a half to eight and a half hours. I don't care who you are. And it's really going to depend on your makeup, your DNA, and the life you lead. But you need to sleep. The sleep actually allows your body, mind, and soul to recharge. Okay, you are not doing yourself or anybody you know any favors by not sleeping. Practice gratitude, we talked about. You guys are up for the 30-day challenge. Just show of hands, you're with me. First time you pick up your phone, every single day you're going to send a note of gratitude, love, or appreciation. Um, here's what I want to spend a little bit of time on. Be where your feet are. Title of my book. In my like, own colloquialism, it's like put your phone down, get your head up. Phone down, head up. Be where your feet are. Phone down, head up. Anybody here have children? Okay, if you have children, you set up these crazy rules for your kids with phones. I do. I never thought I'd be that kind of dad. It's like your daughter walks down, she's got a crazy outfit on, you're like, go upstairs. I'm like, I never thought I would say that, you know? I never thought I'd like try to control like what my children do. But the reality is, is these depression numbers and suicide numbers and anxiety numbers, they're directly correlated to how often you're staring at your phone. Do you think this is just for children? No, right. It impacts all of us. But yet I'm like, hey, kid, Put your phone down. So we have, we have governors on apps. We have shutdowns at certain time at night. We have uh, no phones in the kitchen, no electronics in the bedroom. We, ha we have some rules set up that you might consider draconian. But I would ask you, like, what are the rules you set up for yourself? How are you governing yourself? Are you? Should you? I would argue a hard yes. When's the last time you were at dinner with four friends and you walk up, I'm always late, you walk up and they're already on, they're all on their phones. I was like, yo, 
We haven't seen each other in a year. Who are you texting? What's more important in this conversation right now, the one you're having at dinner with your best friends? What are we doing? How about like with my wife? She's got like, it's a tough lady. So I'll be like, pick my phone up. I'm not perfect, by the way. I'm a work in progress. So I'm like lecturing you like, do this, you know? And I'm like, shit, hold on one, <laughs> hold on one second. Um, so I pick my phone up. She's like, just like this. I'll wait. I'm like, I mean, uh, no, I mean, I, I just, well, it's a, it's like, no, no, it's good. It's, it's really important. Obviously it's important. Do it. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It's not, it's not fabulous. There's nothing fabulous about that. But I would just encourage you. I, I really would. I, I would encourage you. And the last thing is, is if you're feeling good, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you are solid, okay? You're walking. You don't have to be the Lego guy. Everything is all, you don't have to be that guy. But if you're feeling strong and you're feeling good, help someone else. What does an act of service look like? It's simple stuff. It could be a text. It could be holding the door for somebody. It could be picking up the toll for the guy behind you. It could be like buying somebody dinner in a diner that you don't know. It could be sending flowers to someone who helped you. It could be sending a card to someone, an old boss who helped you 20 years ago. Do something for other people. It will fuel you. Okay, let's show hands here. Quick exercise. You send the note of gratitude. Does it help the sender more or the receiver more? Okay, show hands. Who thinks sender? Show hands. Who says receiver? Yeah, it's about, about split. It's about 50-50 in every room I've ever done this in. So why do you think it helps the sender? Anyone? Makes you feel good, right? Gives you like, it literally, there's probably like a dopamine hit you get from, yeah. from sending it, right? There's probably like a chemical reaction you get. How come the receiver? What's that? Makes them feel good. Yeah, it makes them feel good, right? Life is like not that complicated. Do you ever get that sense we complicate a little bit? <laughs> It's pretty simple, like work hard, be nice, right? I, I, like that's my simple formula for life. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for us to just be a little bit better. And think about it, if you're completely Machiavellian, you're like, oh, and this helps me, and I'm a hero. <laughs> Mom, you're awesome, you know? Um, but for those of us who actually just wanna walk through the world and leave it a little bit better than we found it, I wonder if there's not an opportunity. Okay, my insight number two. Perspective is a funny thing. There's something in your life right now that's, that's, that's troubling you. I don't know what it is. I don't, it's not, not for me to know or need to ask, but there's something that's not right. It's off center. It's a relationship that's gone sour. It's a, a project that you failed at. It's something that's nagging at you from your childhood. It's a, you know, you, you ate a crappy breakfast, I don't know, whatever it is, you know? You said you were gonna work out, you haven't worked out in three weeks. Um, you, whatever those things are in your life that just don't feel like you're optimizing yourself. And you start to beat yourself up. And we don't need that right now, okay? Self-love first. Um, and I just always thought about perspective. And, and this was the, um, the cement mixing. Anybody here ever mix cement, by the way? Terrible, me too, terrible. And, and here, it's not like here, this quickrete, like in the US and Canada, like just throw water on it, mix it up. You're like, oh, ooh. There, we're like shoveling sand, like getting their parts right. It's an awful, awful job. 
Um, it's better than the scaffolding, a little safer. Um, miserable job. And after 10 hours, I'm doing this. And there's this little, this is the, the station. They just add water and then throw it in the wheelbarrow and they wheel it down. And so I, I was just fixated on that, that left corner of the corrugated metal there and just fixate on it a little bit. That's their freaking school. That's their schoolroom, okay? They had one schoolroom. You know where the other kids studied? Under trees. But I'm sure your life is really hard. I don't know how you do it. Coffee wasn't that hot. Do you believe they didn't have cream? This is ridiculous. There's not even a Starbucks here. Guys, like, life's hard. I'm with you. I love you and I'm with you, okay? I've had my own journey and I'm fighting through it every single day. But it's really nice to have some perspective in life. Last and final thing. Anybody know who this guy is? You know what? I put the name up there because, you know, you never know. There's always one genius in the audience. <laughs> Makes two of us. I'm with you. Anybody know what Eric's done? Thank you. Everest. What makes him unique? He's blind. Are you freaking kidding me? Okay. So let's go back to you. You've got it tough. I know. We already talked about that. Now you have, you have some tools to overcome that. Now you have perspective. And isn't that wonderful? We can do hard things. That's something I tell my daughters quite a bit. I told my team quite a bit a lot too. It's like, we can do hard things. And yes, isolation is the new kryptonite. I wholeheartedly believe it. And yes, we need each other and we need connection. We do. But we can do it. And we can do it together. And we can do hard things. He climbed Mount Everest blind. Guys, thank you very much. You've been wonderful. I love you. I'm glad to be here. For me, the single biggest takeaway from Scott's remarks is that he has provided a vivid reminder of just how short and unpredictable life is. So we need to be super intentional about how we spend our time and who we spend it with. When my team and I first started studying cult brands, we focused on how certain companies behaved when they engaged with their customers and other external audiences. But then our research quickly led to how they engaged with their employees. And then we started looking at how their leaders led. And we realized that these companies were not only striving to be successful, but they wanted to become more significant in our lives. We discovered that so many people within cult-like organizations just seemed happier. They were more inspired and more committed to do their jobs well. We witnessed these enviable work environments and many people who were just motivated to bring their best selves to work each day. I have been reminded time and time again how much our careers and our companies can either enhance or detract from our quality of life. You know, not just by providing us with a paycheck, but by giving us purpose and value and helping us align our values with something bigger than ourselves and make us feel better about our contribution to society. Cult brands aren't just great companies to shop or to buy from. 
they are usually also great places to work. And if they're also really firing on all cylinders, they'll help us become better versions of ourselves. I love how Scott used his personal experiences to teach us how much leadership and teamwork matter, how a sense of belonging matters, how striving for greatness matters, how continuous learning matters. And the thing that he said that resonated most with me is how we should assume positive intent. Assuming positive intent matters. You know, the quality of our work and the quality of our relationships and the quality of our lives is heavily dependent upon what we choose to focus on and how we choose to interact with other people. I'm so grateful Scott came to the gathering to share some of his valuable life lessons. I not only hope that more businesses rise up and live up to their potential, but I hope more business owners and more business managers and more employees, really all of us, work to put in the necessary effort to become the best versions of ourselves. Until next time. You've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets where we share the best insights gleaned from The Gathering, an annual summit for brand leaders eager to make their companies more successful and more significant. Learn more about The Gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us in your podcast app. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Special thanks to our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as our executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life. We've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.